Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the midweek edition of the We Are podcast on DK Sports Radio. This is your host, Jared Prugar, and I thank you again for listening. Um, we've got a lot to talk about today. Trace McSorley got extensive playing time against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday or on Wednesday night. Sorry, it, it, every day just seems to run together for me. But he got extensive playing time, and he almost brought the Ravens back um, to beat the Steelers, even despite his lack of time. He went two for six for 77 yards, and, and it's the most he's played since being drafted. Um, and he also rushed for uh, rushed three times for 16 yards. Now, granted, those are not the greatest numbers. However, this is a guy that barely dresses. Uh, he, he's typically the third quarterback behind Lamar Jackson and Robert Griffin the third. Um, so he he got it. He got his chance. Uh, he he threw a touchdown pass to bring the team uh, bring the score nineteen fourteen, uh, and the Ravens just weren't able to get the ball back. Now there are a couple of questionable mistakes from Harbaugh that made you kind of scratch your head, but that's you know if there's one thing that that we've learned watching Penn State football, there are a lot of moments during games that that make you scratch your head and wonder what the heck. So. You know, he took advantage of an opportunity that the Ravens gave him uh, when, when Robert Griffin III went down. And and to me, he made the most of it. So I think that's great. Um, he, he's already earned more playing time than Christian Hackenberg uh, ever did in his career. He's still far behind Matt McGloin and quarterbacks like Kerry Collins and, and guys like that. But it's a good start for, for McSorley, the second-year pro. Um, and it's something good uh, for the program because you really don't have a lot of Penn State quarterbacks playing in the NFL. Uh, the the most well-known Penn State quarterback, uh, in in my opinion, to play in the NFL was was Kerry Collins. Now, granted, I grew up watching him play for the Titans and, and for a plethora of teams um, throughout the country or throughout the NFL, but he's the guy that I remember the most. Um, obviously, Michael Robinson was was a great professional, but he was a professional as a fullback. He won a Super Bowl as a fullback, um, not a, not as a quarterback. And then there was Matt McGloin, who had uh, quite, a, quite a run with the Oakland Raiders, and then Christian Hackenberg, whose forgettable career with the Jets um, never, never resulted in him playing an NFL snap, which if you would have looked at me and said that Trace McSorley would play more than Christian Hackenberg uh, when when McSorley took over for him in the Tax Slayer Bowl in, I believe, what was uh, 2015, uh, I would have laughed at you and and called you a liar. But here we are um, with McSorley getting extensive playing time, and he played well. I mean, two of six isn't the greatest, but, you know, 50% of his, touchdown, of his passes end up in touchdowns. So it's... it's an, isn't a victory, but it is something. But Trace McSorley is in the NFL, and we're here to talk about the Penn State Nittany Lions. So they've got Rutgers this weekend uh, on Saturday, December 5th. So Rutgers predominantly has not been, um, you know, the greatest of teams against Penn State. They've got two wins in their, in their history with their last coming in 1988. So that was before I was born in 1990. So, it, and it's actually kind of interesting. The last time Penn State was 
at Rutgers in 2018. I was fortunate enough to be there. And they honored the 1988 team uh, on that afternoon. The last team, like I said, to beat Penn State. Uh, and it was a situation that was kind of neat for me as I got to see one of my former coaches and current um, colleagues uh, in John Kutz, who was a member of that team, uh, an offensive lineman on that team, uh, be honored at halftime as a result of being on that team that uh, that beat Penn State. So that was kind of neat. It's come to full circle for me on a personal aspect. Um, but, you know, Penn State handled has handled Rutgers rather well over the course of the last few meetings. Now, under Greg Schiano, they're, they're a pretty good team. They've got two wins, um, you know, which obviously isn't much to write home about, but Penn State has one. Um, so it's, it's a situation like that. But, you know, under James Franklin, um, they won in 2014. They won in 2015 by 25, 2016 by 39, uh, by 29 in 2017. That last um, 13 uh, in 2018. And then last year um, in State College, they won by 21 points. So, you know, and, and in that time, Penn State's faced three different coaches between Kyle Flood, Chris Ash, and, and Nunzio Campanile. It, it's, you know, Rutgers hasn't had that stability that they've needed to be a successful uh, Big Ten program. Now, under Greg Schiano, I think it's very possible that they do that. But, you know, anything is, um, anything is going to be possible uh, currently. Uh, it's the way that 2020 is. But, you know, it, it's, it's a situation where Rutgers hasn't played well of late. Penn State is, is finally playing decently. Uh, and Rutgers, uh, for what it's worth, isn't, uh, they've not been able to, to hold off the, the explosive plays. They've been, you know, that last year they were ranked in the mid-80s in the country uh, at, at giving up plays of 20 yards or more. And as you'll see later today when I, um, in my no- most recent piece uh, with, with DK Pittsburgh Sports, I talk about how Penn State's running game needs to, how Penn State needs to use the running game to build on their explosive plays and to, to get explosive plays, whether that be rushing, whether that be passing, however they need to do it, the running game is what is going to be able to spring them uh, to those explosive plays, which Rutgers has done a terrible job of of limiting over the course of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how Penn State comes out and plays. They played rather well against Michigan. Now Michigan, you know, it's a blue. They're a blue blood program that's struggling, much like Penn State was at the beginning of the year. Um, Michigan won't be in, in play this week as their game got postponed or canceled. I I guess you should say. Uh, because of COVID concerns. So they're the second team that Penn State has played this season that immediately has started uh, issues with COVID. Um, and, and I don't know if that's indicative of anything that's happened at Penn State. I don't think that's confirmed uh, or anything like that, or, nor is that, I think, up for speculation. But it just goes to show you how crazy this, this season uh, can be. And it has been. It, it's, you know, obviously uh, we sit here in December now, with snow on the ground, and Penn State is is a team that's one in five, so we don't really ever think that um, that that would happen, but at, at the same time, it has. Um, so here we are. You know, Rutgers comes into the game at uh, 
you know, they're fifth in the Big Ten East, uh, two spots above Penn State, but Penn State has an opportunity where they can, uh, where they can improve their standing based on how the rest of the season goes. They have Rutgers this week, Michigan State next week at home for their uh, for what I would imagine would be senior night and or senior day. I, I would I would imagine that Penn State Michigan State won't be a night game, and then they have the seeded game against the Big Ten West. But this season, um. Rutgers comes into Rutgers comes into the game, you know, fresh off of a, a 37-30 victory over over Purdue. They've lost to Michigan in overtime in what was uh what was a, a really good game, 48-42. They've lost to Illinois. They've lost to Ohio State. They've lost to Indiana, which Penn State has done. Uh, Rutgers also beat Michigan State to start their season. So they lost four games before they got their second win of the year. So it, it'll be very interesting to see how they come out and, and how they play uh, to start against the Nittany Lions. But, you know, like I said, anything anything is really possible. And against Purdue, they came out ready to play. They came out, scored 13 points in the first quarter, which obviously is very important. We see that all the time with Penn State getting a first first quarter start. So it's going to be important for Penn State to show up early and be able to to hold the Scarlet Knights off the scoreboard uh, as they hope to get their second win in a row. For Penn State to get a second win, I they're they're going to have to limit the the Rutgers offense. Um defensively, you know, Rutgers it hasn't done anything to prove that they can hold points from from giving uh from ending up on the scoreboard. They gave up 27 points to a Michigan State offense that has been anemic at times. They gave up 37 points to a for, to an Indiana team that has been really good, uh, 49 points to Ohio State, 23 points to an Illinois team that is not the greatest by any means, 48 points to a Michigan team that I didn't realize could score that many points if I had watched them uh, more than just last week against Penn State, and they gave up 30 points to Purdue. So this is the perfect opportunity for Penn State to really put some points on the scoreboard, which they really haven't been able to do. They put up yardage, they put up, you know, the statistics offensively, but they just haven't put up an inordinate amount of points. And in Kirk Scirocco's offense, points are points points are integral, and and that's just not just his offense, but that's every offense. And and like I uh, stated in my piece, or uh, that'll be released later today. Since Joe Moorhead showed up in 2016, Penn State has been known for explosive offenses and putting up points on the scoreboard. And the Nittany Lions just really haven't been able to do so uh, this season. Now, don't get me wrong. The Nittany Lions, um, the, the Nittany Lions have, have not been themselves. They've not been the normal Penn State team that, that I think everybody is used to seeing. I mean, they, the most points that they've scored um, were the 35 points they scored in the opening game against Indiana. Then they went out and put up 25 against Ohio State, 19 against Maryland, 23 against Nebraska, 21 against Iowa, and then 27 against Michigan. So they're not lighting up the scoreboard by any means. And as long as they're getting wins, you know, that's typically okay. Unfortunately, up until uh, last weekend, you know, they had not gotten any wins. Uh, So getting, getting that win against Michigan, I think, is going to to instill that confidence needed, and Sean Clifford played a great game. We talked about it uh, 
Sunday on our podcast, uh, on that edition of the We Are podcast, and Sean Clifford did everything he could. He was a game manager. He kept the game in perspective, didn't try to do too much, didn't get too cocky, and I think that was huge, um, you know, moving forward. If Penn State can get that type of play from Clifford in the last three games of the season, there's a very good chance that they can end up, you know, four and five going into a bowl game where they could eventually get back to 500 and 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 push off that losing season for another for another year. So, you know, if if Penn State can get out and, and get to a point where they can come out with the ball and find the end zone, find the scoreboard uh, early, I think it's going to bode well for them. If they can get that confidence that they so desperately need, I don't think that I've ever seen a Penn State team in this dire of a need of confidence uh, that we see each Saturday uh, on the football field. But if that's what it takes, then that's what they need to do. Uh, the Penn State defense showed up in, in a big way. They kept the chunk plays for Michigan to a minimum, and they kept them off the, off the scoreboard for the most part. You know, uh, It was a situation where a couple penalties led to, led to some points for Michigan, and, and a lot of their yards came on a 61-yard play, and, and a lot of their yards came on one drive. So you know, they, they held Michigan in check rather well. So the scoreboard might not indicate how dominant Penn State was defensively uh, as they only beat Michigan by 10 points, but it was a truly dominant performance that the Nittany Lions had missed out on uh, throughout the course of the year. But that was then. This is Rutgers. Um, We saw that Kevon Lee had a big game, 134 yards for the Nittany Lions against the Wolverines, and that is going to be needed again to to push Penn State to to where it needs to go to to get them to victory. You know, everything kind of feeds off the run game for the Nittany Lions, and that's kind of the way the Shiraka's uh, offense goes. You know, there's a lot of play action, there's a lot of RPOs, and if you don't have a running game, then the reality of it is those things just really don't matter when you can't run the football. And and that's what they need. You know, Devin Ford was out due to a family emergency. Um, so getting him back, I think, is going to be great, but... In, in my opinion, and granted, I'm not on the coaching staff at Penn State. I don't get paid nearly enough to, uh, to make those decisions. I don't see how you could take the ball away from Kevon Lee. He's done nothing. It's much like Will Levis uh, when he came in against Nebraska. He didn't do anything to warrant getting the ball taken away from him. Uh, he didn't really light the world on fire then. Levis did, but Kevon Lee did. Kevon Lee had that big game that Penn State so desperately needed uh, from the rushing game. And and up front, they look good. They look dominant for the first time all year. And that's, I hate to say it, and, and you don't want to make excuses, but it seems like Penn State offensively is, is just finally, you know, getting into their stride. Clifford did, he took care of the football, which was necessary. It was the first game all season that they hadn't turned the ball over. So that that is huge. They won the turnover ratio. They, had, they forced a, a fumble on a Michigan uh, punt return. Uh, Drew Hartlove recovered it. So those are the things that Penn State wasn't doing at the beginning of the season that they finally pulled out of their closet um, and used to beat Michigan. So against Rutgers and against Greg Schiano, who was, you know, you, you looking back over the course of time, was an was is is a a former Penn State coach. You know, he was there in the nineties. He was there uh, in the two and early two thousands. If I'm I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it's 
it's a situation where Shiano is familiar with Penn State now, and he was also he was also a front runner for the coaching position that James Franklin uh, now holds um, back in the day. So you know it, it's a situation where um, you know there's a lot of familiarity and and looking looking this up now. He was a GA at Penn State in 1990 and then a defensive backs coach uh, from 1991 to 1995. For whatever reason, I pulled the, the 2000s one out of my, out of my head, and, and that, was, um, that was wrong, and I apologize for, for that misinformation. But he was there when the Penn State defense was really, really well known, um, when it was led by guys like, you know, um, <laughs> like, like Jerry Sandusky, who ultimately... You know, we all know that that issue, but he he got it. He cut his teeth with with Penn State, went to the NFL, uh, came back as defensive coordinator at, at Miami, then um, ended up at Rutgers as the head coach, went to Tampa Bay. And at that point was when it was it looked like Shiano could end up at Penn State. Now, you know, he didn't quite have the house in Bullsburg like Urban Meyer was rumored to have. But he he was a guy that that could have been an option, and 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 luckily for Penn State, they went with James Franklin, who's who's led them to to quite a bit of success that I don't think many people really expected once Bill O'Brien uh, headed to the NFL. But Shiano was one of those guys. He ended up at Ohio State for the last few years, was uh, bounced back and forth, and then is now at Rutgers, where where he really made a name for himself. Uh, in the first part of the 2000s. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how how his team responds. It's going to be interesting to see how Penn State responds. They, this is the first time that they're coming off of a victory all season. Um, it's the first time that, that it seems like they have confidence moving forward. So to see what how, how both teams come out on Saturday, I think is going to be huge. I think the tone is going to be set with the opening kickoff. If Penn State's able to win and get the ball and go down and score, I think it's going to determine the outcome of the game. But it also is going to be up to the defense, which up until last week hadn't been able to force the force a three and out or force a punt or anything on on the first drive of the game. Luckily, last week, they forced a three and out. Michigan didn't score, and that was the first time that that, that had happened uh, all season. But on Saturday, we'll get to see what Penn State and Rutgers are made of. Now, just an aside to that, Saturday, um, we're going to get a little personal here, and I, and, and I apologize for making things personal. I hate kind of talking about myself, but this is the last podcast that I will have as a 29-year-old. I turned 30 on Saturday. I, I am very fortunate to be able to watch Penn State and Rutgers. Unfortunately, I won't be there in person uh, because of travel restrictions and, and uh, those sorts of things. But I just want to thank... Uh, from the bottom of my heart, everybody that's been a part of this journey so far, uh, by no means is this, I'm not going anywhere. I just want to show some appreciation for everybody that has helped me get to where I am um, in my career and as a writer, as as a podcaster, as, as whatever you think that I am. Um, I greatly appreciate all the, uh, the support and, and everybody that is listening to this, uh, whether you're forced to because it's part of your job, whether you're forced to because you're family or whether you're forced to because you're you're a friend of mine, I, I from the from the bottom of my heart I thank you for, for all of your support. 
um, and guidance uh, throughout the first 29 years of my life and look forward to, to starting Saturday as a 30-year-old uh, person who gets to watch Penn State and Rutgers play the game of football. So with that said, this has been the midweek edition of the We Are podcast. I thank you once again for, for listening, and I wish you all the best and, and safety and health uh, as we navigate through these uncertain times. Enjoy, and I will talk to you again on Sunday. Sunday.